king, God's son coming to die for your sins. Uh, right now, sometimes people, that, well, that's, you know, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's great. I tell you what, when you die, you'll be sure be glad for it. And, uh, and if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, when you die, uh, you'll certainly be, um, be sad that you didn't trust Him. And, uh, and you, you need to do that before it's everlasting too late. I, I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about uh, murmuring and complaining. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, I, and this came up, this come up a few times now in uh, conversations I've had. And I, I told somebody the other day, one of the greatest things I get to do with people is to try to, or the most, uh, I would say, charging, it charges my battery more than anything else, is to try to be a help to people. If I, if I feel like I was a help to somebody and I had a conversation, then I feel charged. I feel like it was a worthwhile time. My time was spent good and uh, spent well, and, and I feel like I'm charged up. When I, when I just, when I hear people do nothing but complain or murmur, that is one of the biggest draws of my battery. It, it will draw me down faster than anything else. And people uh, just, you know, like, I don't like this, or I don't like that, or I don't like what this is, or I don't like how that went, or all that does is just, it just drains me down uh, quickly. Being, being able to be useful is a help. Being, uh, be, being around murmuring, complaining is always drags you down. I know it says Deuteronomy 1, we're going to end there, but I want you to start in, uh, in Exodus chapter number 15, if you would. Exodus chapter number 15 in your Bibles. And I want to talk to you a little bit about murmuring, complaining, um, and those types of things. I, you know, it's, it's interesting when people talk about sin, they talk about, well, you know, you know adultery and fornication and murder, and, uh, but hardly ever do we put in the list complaining. Um, but, but I'm going to tell you, it's one of the most prominent sins we do. Um, when we spend our time murmuring against God, complaining against God, is probably something you do um, infinitely greater than, uh, than, than fornicating or uh, committing adultery. Um, and, and probably do it a whole lot more than you'll ever commit murder. Um, you, you're complaining and you're murmuring. And I want to just look through, I'm going to look through some stuff in the Bible. I'm just going to read through several verses tonight. If you don't have a Bible and you need one, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. I, well, I'll get somebody to get you a Bible. Anybody need a Bible? All right. So hopefully you've got a Bible. I mean, this is a Bible-believing church, a Bible-preaching church. It would, be, it would be a shame to say, I go to church, and do you read your Bible? No, I never read my Bible. I just go to church, and that guy reads the Bible. Um, this isn't, you know, in, in Catholic churches, that's what they do. I'm not trying to throw off on anybody where they come from, but in Catholic churches, they want you to trust this guy to have the Word and don't want you to look at it and see if it's the truth. You know what you need? You know what you need to do? You need to look and see if the things I'm saying is the truth. You need to make sure that what I'm saying is the truth. And uh, so you need to get your Bible. And if I'm, if I'm not reading something right or I'm, if it's wrong, you come tell me and, uh, and I'll correct that. Exodus chapter 15, you know, in, in, uh, in the book of Exodus, they're in bondage. They're in bondage and they come out of bondage in Exodus chapter 14 and and, and man, they cross that Red Sea. Most people know that story. They cross the Red Sea. By the time you get to Exodus 15, in verse 1, it says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song of the Lord. I mean, they've come out. They're singing praises. They're singing how great God is. Uh, we, we should, for all He's done, we can praise the Lord for all He's done. We sing songs like that, and we praise God for just how great He really is. But you know what the truth is? It doesn't take very long before we find a way to start complaining about what God's doing. You look at uh, verse number 22. 
Verse number 22, Exodus 15, verse number 22. We're just going to read through several places. Exodus 15, verse number 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days. I mean, we've been singing for three days, now we, or three days ago. Now we're three days later, they found no water. And when they came to Mirah, they could not drink of the waters of Mirah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name, the name they called was Mirah. And the people, watch this now, murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which uh, when he cast into the water, the waters were made sweet. There he made uh, for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. There was a, they, I want you to see something now. I just want you to get some of these things that I want you to hear tonight. It was a, they saw an obstacle that was actually an opportunity. You understand that? They saw an obstacle that was actually an opportunity. You, you, what do you mean by that? All right, they saw something and said, all right, three, three days, we're, here we are, and we're in a, in a situation where the water is in short supply and it's bitter. And it was actually an opportunity for God to show that He could provide for them. It was an opportunity for their, their faith to actually be stronger than ever it was before. But instead of seizing that opportunity, they looked at that opportunity and began to then complain about everything. They began to murmur against God. Hey, the same God that brought you out of all, with all the miracles, all the things He brought you out of, brought you through all that, and here you are singing praises to how great He is, and three days later, you hit an opportunity to see God move again. Instead of trusting God, you're now complaining about God. This is what we do. This is how we are. This is how we are all the time. We, we hit a difficulty in life, a job difficulty, a, uh, a housing difficulty, a family difficulty. And the next thing you know, we're ready to give up on God. And we're, com we're, we're complaining and we're murmuring about everything in life instead of looking to God for the answers. So that's Exodus 15, three days after they're singing praises. Look at Exodus 16. Look at verse 1. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came in the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt. So it's just uh, 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 like a, two months later, a month and a half later. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel, say it with me. Let's do it again. And the whole, uh, you're, you're going to complain about having to say this now, but, but you'll get it in a minute. And the whole congregation of children of, children of Israel, what? They did what? Against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, and yea, um, I'm sorry, and ye have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may what? Prove them whether they will walk in the law or not. You know, what? They, 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 it wasn't just a month and a half or so later. Listen, now, you know what they get to? An opportunity, again, to see God move. It was an opportunity. They saw it as an obstacle. It was an opportunity. And here they are murmuring and complaining yet again. And God provided. Look at Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Can you get the, can you get the drift so far? Exodus 17. 
and verse 1. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Now you would think that by this point they would go, well, there's no water. But I remember it was just a very short period of time ago, God provided water where there was no water, and God can surely take care of this. And what did it say in verse number 2? Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people, say it with me, they feel what? Against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Um, you keep seeing a pattern here of the way people are about things, op- obstacles, or really opportunities in their life. I want you to flip over to Numbers, because what's going to happen is they're going to get to Mount Sinai. They're going to stay there. They're going to get the commandments. They're going to stay there for about a year or so, get the commandments given to them. When you get to Numbers chapter number 10, they assemble together to, uh, to start their journeying to go to the promised land. So all that stuff you read between where we were and, and Numbers, that's all right there at the foot of that mountain. And now they're getting ready to assemble in Numbers chapter 10. He gets them together to assemble and gets them in their order for assembling, for moving out to the promised land. And in verse number, chapter number 11, in verse number 1, watch this now. And when the people, say it, the people what? Complained. It displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And His anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. Now, the people are still complaining. A year later, and they're getting ready to move, people are still complaining. Look at Numbers chapter number 12. Just going one chapter over, Numbers chapter number 12. Numbers chapter number 12, look at verse number 1. And Miriam and Aaron, here are the people even closest to Moses. Miriam and Aaron spake unto Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he was married to an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also uh, by us? And the Lord heard it. Isn't it interesting whenever we talk that God hears it? Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Now that would be like, that'd be like mom saying, Why don't you three come here for a minute? Or dad. Say, Why don't you all three come out? And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And he gave, he gave, uh, he gave her leprosy. But I think it's interesting here because Moses was the most meek man on the face of the earth. And they just kept bringing accusations and murmuring and complaining against him. Look at Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 
17, that Moses is going to send them to search out the promised land. Look at verse number, verse number 17 of Numbers 13. Are you okay tonight? Just going through the Bible and studying a little bit? You're all right? Numbers chapter 13, and look at verse number 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountains and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they, uh, they, that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there is wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring the fruit of the land. Now the time was a time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, uh, Shishai, and Telmei, and the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eschol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. It took two people to carry one cluster of grapes. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eschol because of the cluster of grapes with the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land about 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely... This is the truth. It floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. They brought it in and showed it to them. But watch the next word he uses, verse 28. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And, and Caleb, you can see it now, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that is eat up with inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature." And watch the statement that they've gotten to. I'm, I'm going to make a statement here in a few minutes. I'm going to go ahead and make it now. Your murmuring and your complaining is going to get you to the place that it limits your progression for God. He says, and there we, they said, and there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own side as grasshoppers. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Now, how do you know what you were in their sight? You don't know what you were in their sight. But this is what they started thinking. And I want you to look at Numbers chapter number 14. And all the congregation lifted their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel, what? Against Moses and against Aaron, the whole congregation, and said unto them, would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, 
or a wood to God, we had died in the wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us uh, up, uh, brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation and the children of Israel. And they, they begin to pray. Now, I want you to look at verse number 26. Just a few more, and then I'm going to sum it up at the very end, and we'll be done. Verse number 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which, say it, murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. God had heard it. Number 16, just keep going, just a couple more. Number 16 and verse number 1. Number 16 and verse number 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much on you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, this is typical of what Moses always did, he fell on his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all the congregation and the company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him, even him who he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take your censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord hath, uh, hath cho doth chose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. I, I would have been scared to death by this moment. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi. Now, he's going to go through this long thing here and talk to them, but I want you to see, look at verse number 11. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that ye, watch, murmur against him? Same issue. Look at... Uh, Still in that same chapter, look at verse number 41. What happens? You remember what happens? They hold a little assembly. Moses prays. The ground opens up and swallows all those people down in the pit. Moses didn't do that. God did that. Moses didn't, didn't say, right, you stay there, I'm going to dig a real quick pit and throw you in it. God did that. But, but I want you to see how these people are. Look at verse 41, chapter 16, verse 41. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel did what? Yep, against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. He didn't do it. God opened up the ground and swallowed them up. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord uh, appeared. And so... You've got this issue where God is having to deal with them. Uh, look at verse number uh, 44. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get ye up from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces, and they began to pray for them. Now, 
you've got two more scriptures you're going to turn to. Look at Numbers 20. Numbers 20, and then we're going to turn to Deuteronomy, where he sums all this up, and I'm going to give you about three or four points that I want you to see about what your murmuring does, your complaining does. Numbers chapter 20, verse number 1. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation in the desert of Zin, in the first month, and the people abode at Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would to God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord in the wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore hath he made us to come up out of Egypt, to bring, up, to bring us in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly on the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, which is typical of what they would do. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto them, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, as He commanded him. Watch what happens. And Moses and Aaron gathered a congregation together before the rock. And He said unto them, Here now, watch, can you see His Spirit? Here now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Watch what happens, though. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Listen, because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land that I have given them. This is the water of Mirabah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and He was sanctified in them. Now, the last place you're going to turn to is you're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 1, and you're going to see something here. In verse number 1, in Deuteronomy 1, verse number 1, these be the words which Moses spake unto Israel. This is, Moses is going to kind of sum life up. He's going to sum some things up about what's gone on. And, and I want you to get something. Look at verse number uh, 19. Just, just read this along with me. Listen to what he's saying. I'm going to make a few points about this. <clears throat> when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which he saw by the way of the mountains of the Amorites, and as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, You're come in the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth, hath, uh, doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God had set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, at the Lord, as the Lord God of thy fathers had said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. That's what he told them. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search us out the land, and bring us word again by what we must go up, and into what cities we shall come. And the same pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went up into the mountains, and came in the valley of Eskel, and searched it out. He's rehearsing what took place. And they took of the fruit of the land of their hands and brought it down unto us and brought us word again and said, It is good land which the Lord uh, our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, the same thing we read before, ye would not go up, 
But watch the way he words all this. But rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents. You went back to your houses and you, you may not do it here, but you may go back to your houses and murmur and complain about God and what God's doing. You murmur in your tents. And watch what they said. And said, because the Lord hated us, He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt. What a distorted way of thinking. To deliver us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? And watch what it says. Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. Now, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to kind of give you a few things to think about um, and try to bring this home. We are, a, we are a very miserable people sometimes. And I think it's because we're very spoiled. And we complain about things. When things just don't go just slightly our way, we start complaining. We start murmuring about just every little thing that happens in our life. 80% of everything can go well, and if 20% is not going the right way, we focus on the 20% and disregard the 80. We complain about the weather. Um, you know, we live in Texas. I see sometimes people put stuff out there that says something like, you know, yesterday it was 75 and tomorrow it's 20 and the next day it'll be 75. And that's true. But this is what we do. We, 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 we complain about all the things that are going on with the weather. We complain about traffic. We have to sit for very long. We complain about the government. We complain if the government's too this way or too that way. We complain about our jobs. We complain about our bosses. We complain about our coworkers. We complain about the teens. We complain about the toddlers. We complain about parents. We complain about telemarketers, but I think God's make provision for that. It's just our way of life. We are a discontent culture. We want it cheaper, we want it faster, we want it bigger. And we complain and complain and complain, and we rarely are ever content with anything. And let me make a couple of statements to you. When he said in verse number 26, Notwithstanding, ye would not go up, but rebelled. The first point is this, murmuring and complaining is debilitating to every individual. It's debilitating to you. It stops you. I, I thought about the word debilitating. What does that mean? It makes you weak. You're constant complaining about life, about your family, about the direction, everything. It makes you weak. It makes you a weak person. It becomes a habit that eventually ruins your vision and it ruins your motivation. The more you start complaining, the easier it gets to continue to complain. And the results are you become a rebellious person that refuses to do the things that God asks you to do. It ruins your potential. It ruins your family's potential. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about there's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. You remember it goes through those things, it lists four things. One of the four things, it lists off the, the discouragement, it lists off uh, um, uh, so, some, some things of being distracted with sin, and it goes through four different things. And one of them it talks about was they murmured. That's one of the things it mentions in 1 Corinthians 10. Do you realize that one of the sins that's common to man, the temptation that's common to man, is murmuring and complaining?
It debilitates you. It stops you from going forward. Let me tell you a second thing. Look at verse number 27. And ye murmured your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. Not only does it debilitate you, but it distorts your view of God and what God's doing. You know, you start, you go back and look, you just look at the progression from when they left out immediately. It's, it's murmuring. And then that's why I went through every verse. It's murmuring and then it's murmuring again. And then it's murmuring again. And it's murmuring again. And you end up getting to a spot later on where now it's, it's time to go into the promised land and they can't and they rebel. That's why I said debilitating. But now they've got it in their mind that God hates us. God took you, wait a minute, so God sent Moses to take you through all that stuff and go through all those plagues and, and, and take you through, uh, through the Red Sea on dry land and, and take all your enemies and, and put them under the water. He did all of that because he hates you? You mean to tell me, listen now, listen, you mean to tell me that God sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins and give you eternal life and now you've gone through a difficult spot in your life and you can no longer trust God, you can't go forward in your life and now you've gotten to the point you think God hates you? After he did, the greatest love that's ever been displayed ever is, is God sending his son to die on a cross. And because life doesn't work out the way you think now, you think he hates you? After all that? Do you, can you not see how our mind gets so distorted? We start thinking the, the, the God that loved, God that so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that now we're saying that God hates me because he hasn't let things work out the way I want them to work out in my life. Now, let me tell you, this is when, this is when uh, guys in other places say park there for a while or shake that tree. I feel like somebody ought to say that to me right now. We need to kind of park there and think about this. How is it that we get to a place that we start making that kind of accusation against the motives of God? You hate me because you have not let things work out like I want. You hate me because I don't have sweet water to drink. You hate me because you've not... You, uh, listen to what they told at one point. All we've got is this light bread. This, this, this bread that has fallen from heaven... That there's, there's some for me every single day. I think it probably was a lot like a Shipley's donut. I think probably. Maybe with cherry filling, something like that. But it is every, every day there's a new pile of it sitting there. And it's what they said. Oh, you got to eat that food. You got to eat the thing that God gave you. You mean you got to eat what God gave you fresh today? You got to eat what God gave you today? And that's not good enough? And now we got to complain and we think God hates me because he keeps giving me a fresh supply every day, but he's not giving me what I want, so now God hates me. We murmur and we complain. Listen to what it said in our tents. We get to the house and we, no, you wouldn't do it here. You know what you would say here? You'd say, oh, help us, Lord. We'd say, oh, help us. This is good preaching. You're right. You're right. i got to get this right. We'd go to the altar at the end of the sermon. But when we get home and things get difficult, instead of saying this is an opportunity for us to trust God, now it becomes an obstacle and we say, God hates me in our homes, in our tents. It distorts our view of God. It debilitates our, our movement. It 
it, it distorts our view of God. Look at what else it does. Look at verse number 28. Wherefore, it says, whither shall we go up? Our brethren have, what does it say? Discouraged our hearts. It discourages those around you. You just don't realize it. Your murmuring, your complaining stops your movement from going forward. It distorts how you see God. Listen now, listen real close. And then starts getting the rest of your family and the people around you to get just as discouraged as you are. It's not just affecting you anymore. It's affecting everybody else. See, what you're saying is, well, the obstacles are too big. Wait a minute, too big for, for God? Those obstacles are too big for God. Yeah, well, we, they're, they're bigger than us, and we look like grasshoppers. No, no, no. You are giant killers. You're not grasshoppers. With God on your side, you're a giant killer, not a grasshopper. Yeah, but I just don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, that's the problem is you're thinking too much. Instead of distrusting God. And what you end up doing is you're discouraging the entire congregation. You're discouraging everybody else. You're discouraging you. You're discouraging your wife. You're discouraging your husband. You're discouraging your family. You're discouraging the church. You're discouraging your Sunday school class. You're discouraging everybody with your negativity. It kills the innovation and it kills the motivation. The chronic complainer is the first person to shoot down any new idea of what we could be doing as a family or as a church or anybody. It discourages. Look at verse number 34. Watch what it says. <clears throat> Read verse 29. We'll pick up through 34. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which goeth before you, He shall fight for you according to all that He did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Remember the God that did all that stuff back there? He's going to be fighting for you in the future. In the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son in all the ways that you went until you came into this place. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, to, in, in fire by night and to show you the way you should go and in a cloud by day. In verse number 34, And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers. And I want you to see something. Not only is it debilitating to you, it distorts your view of God. It discourages everybody around you. But I want you to understand this. It's displeasing to God. It's displeasing to God. God hears it. You know what I think? I think, it, I think it's really interesting. I, think, I feel this way. I'll probably find some verses for it. It probably pleases God when we say, I trust you. I think it's probably displeasing to God when we say, I do, don't trust you. If, if I was to do something with Gabriella, Gabriella says, you know, she said this today. This was a really good statement. She's very smart. She said, that she was watching the, the, all the players on the, I mean, the, uh, the guys, the sports guys on the, uh, uh, the uh, announcers. You know, these are big guys, really nice looking big guys, dressed really sharp, doing all the announcements. She said, you know, Daddy, you're a whole lot like those big guys that are on there. And I thought, you're so right, honey. You're, you're brilliant. She's so smart. 
I don't even know I wanted to tell you that. I just wanted to tell. Oh, no, I I knew what it was. It was this. Is, you know what? When, When my child says, Dad, you're the strongest. You're the greatest. There's nothing you can't do. You're, you know what it does? It makes you kind of feel like, you know, you're right. When, when, if her spirit gets to the place of, you can't do anything right, that's going to be a sad day for me. You know, you know w- w- the same thing is, I think is true. We say, you know, Father, you are great. You are wonderful. Look at all you've done for me, and I'm, I'm sure you can, you're going to do it now, and you're going to do it in my future. You are great. You're wonderful. You can take care of all the big obstacles I've got in my life. I, I've got one right now that I'm looking at, but Lord, I'm just going to trust that you can take care of it. I think it probably makes him feel like, I do want to take care of that for you. I'm glad you invited me to be part of your problems. I've got a solution for what you're going through. And when we do the opposite, I think it displeases God. Number five. Look at verse number 36. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon and his children because he hath wholly followed the, uh, followed the Lord. Also the Lord was, and watch this now, verse 37. He's going to, in my mind, skip forward to what I closed with, with Numbers 20. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sakes, saying, Thou also shalt not go in thither. All right, so look at 37 again. Let's try to read that again. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou also shalt not go in thither. Let's say the fifth thing is this. It's disappointing to the leaders you have around you. It's disappointing to the leaders. You know, in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. You know, it's interesting that in Psalm 106, it talks a little bit about this, and it says, Moses says this thing, or it says this about Moses, Psalm 106, 32. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. I'm going to tell you something that it, it does. It, it, it not only destroys everything about you and everything about your family and everything you see with God, not only is it displeasing to God, but the leaders you have in your life that are trying to lead you in a direction to get you someplace good for your life. It's, I, that's why I said to somebody the other day, getting to be around somebody and, and helping them see the good thing God's got for them, but it does nothing but just bring me great joy to just show somebody the truth and let them... Do something with it. I'm telling you, it is one of the worst things to watch people just make continuous excuses for why their life is nothing but bad, and they will not see the good. All all they do, every time you go to show them something good, they find a way to dig a pit and jump into it. That's discouraging. That's disappointing to the leader. Let me just finish by saying this. Philippians 2.14, I'm going to read the verse to you. It says, Do all things without murmuring and disputing. New Testament. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have 
not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Let me make this last statement. When you're a complaining, murmuring, miserable, negative person, you are distasteful to the world. No light was coming from those people. No light. And when you live a life, listen now, when you go to work and you talk about how bad everything is, you're not a witness. When you're sitting at the table at, at a restaurant and you're talking about how bad everything is, people are listening to your conversation, you're not a witness. And if you are a person that murmurs and complains about everything, please don't tell them that you're a child of God. Because, you know, what, what we need to see, you, you realize how Acts 16, they're in the innermost parts of the prison, in, in, uh, in the stocks, and about midnight, Paul and them, they, they begin to do what? They begin to murmur and complain, right? They begin to sing songs of praise to God. You know what happens? God says, oh, I can get in on this meeting. Amen. Doors open, chains come, come loose, and people get saved. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. Would that not have been a very different scenario had they started complaining in the midst of all that? It doesn't do anything to bring any light. I'm just saying to all of us, we need to think about how often we complain and murmur. Maybe, maybe this week, maybe we were to take note of how many times you complain this week about things. And maybe whenever you go to start being, being a complainer or a negative, maybe instead you're to replace it with being thankful. Thank you, God. And maybe if you would do that, your light would shine a little brighter. You'd begin to see God in the right light you'd be able to have certain things open up in your life to start moving into areas that God does have planned for your life. Maybe things would get a whole lot better if we replaced all the, all the negativity with something positive. Maybe things would get better. You know, maybe people wouldn't be around you if you weren't so negative all the time. So I just don't, I don't, I don't have anybody around me. I have friends. Maybe it's because every time you get around, you're discouraging everybody around you. Like I said, murmuring drains the life right out of me. Maybe that's what you're doing. And maybe tonight, maybe what we ought to do in the few minutes we've got left, maybe tonight we ought to hit an altar. You can come and get us a song. Maybe we ought to come hit an altar and say, you know what, I've been doing way too much murmuring, way too much complaining with my life. And maybe now I need to start being thankful. You know, Philippians, he says, be careful, full of care for how many things? But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with what? With thanksgiving, let your request be known. I, I have a load of care. What am I supposed to do? Be thankful. Instead of murmuring and complaining. Maybe that's what we need to do tonight, is take a little bit of stock in how we're doing. And maybe we need to, you know, maybe you're to say to your spouse, I'll say to Stacy publicly, you know, if I start complaining, remind me of this message. Remind us. We need to remind ourselves of... Of, these, of this thought and try to put it in practice in our life. You know, I, I look around every once in a while and this is the thing that puzzles me when I look. I, I, I get to get all the preachers that are, that are young preachers to start sitting up here on the platform and watch things sometimes. I watch some people and they just smile and they're just like, yes, preach on, preacher, that's good, I love it. 
give me anything. I want to read it. Yes, read it. Okay, here it is. There's other people that look, they, they have a look on their face almost as if they just bit into a dill pickle. Just, their face is kind of like. I'm, I'm just telling you, you say, why don't I have joy in my life? Maybe this is a part of why you have no joy. Because all you do is see the negative, and it's sucking the life right out of you. And maybe tonight you start being thankful and training yourself to think the right way. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we love you. We thank you tonight for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that's found in it and how you even laid that out so that we could see it and we could draw from it. Help us now, Lord, to get these things settled in our own lives. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. She's going to play, give you a chance to pray tonight.